What is going on, everybody? This is Patrick C. Huerta, and you're listening to the Babacoa Core Podcast. We're just chewing the fat, chopping it up. These episodes are uncensored, they're unedited. Like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts. You can follow the Instagram page at Babacoa Core Podcast. Uh, that is where I uh, post and repost whatever the guests and friends of the podcast have going on. Uh, just another way to help uh, push, promote, support uh, you know, the guests and friends of the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. What's up, everyone? Thanks for checking out a new episode of the Dollar Gold Podcast. Uh, today on the episode, I have a special guest, Mr. Justin Byers. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Did I get the right Byers? That is right. It's Byers. It's a, like a mix between, like, um, I guess, like Czech and Mex. Yeah. So it's like I'm I'm half Mexican, but not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you don't have to like put like an ethnic. Twist on some people say like beatus, yeah, and they then, just assume, and then I just smile like a little bit of my heart, and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, I've been in San Antonio a long time. Uh, so cool, man, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll get into like uh, you know, your, your comedy and all that stuff. Uh, but let's let's start with the plugs. Do you how do people find you on social media? Uh, do you have anything coming up? Yeah, no, I'm I'm easy, and uh, it's just my name, Justin Byers, uh, B I R E S. And uh, if if something's coming up, I'll I'll post it on Insta or Facebook. Cool, man. Uh, so yeah, so I've seen you a bunch of times just uh, doing the mics and stuff. Uh, you just had your first show, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This past week. Uh, how'd that go? Where was that at? It was a uh, Middleton Brewery in San Marcos. Mm-hmm. It's in like the really the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. but they they do it i think every month or so and they said that this last one was the best it's ever drawn oh yeah it was about 60 people in there so oh wow i, I can't complain uh what what they did was they're like justin you got six minutes uh get that stuff ready and so I'll, i go up there and i get a text from uh, the host saying hey brother can you do eight like, uh-huh. oh dude I'll he texted you while you were on stage now he texted me while i was driving up there. oh while you're driving oh, okay i'm there in like my mini cooper just you know starting to haul down uh i-35 and uh-huh. i get my text it's like Bing. i'm like oh what's this eight minutes i was like okay so then you're starting to build you're like okay what do i got eight minutes yeah and then uh i'm on stage and the host sees the first guy starting to bomb a little bit and mm. he's like hey i'm gonna cut him a minute early can you take his minute i was like oh shit so i run to my car I'm, you know, crafting it. And it went really well, though. Yeah. What, yeah. what was the final time on yours? Uh, I had nine minutes. Nine minutes. And I went a little over. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was all good. Well, that's good. And that was a good crowd by then? It was a good crowd. Um, it, I, I kind of like going in, like, the middle where you get people that are still... Um, They're warmed up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're a little looser. It's, yeah. it's a good time. That's cool, man. Uh, so how long have you been doing comedy? Eleven months. Eleven in, months. In March, it'll be a year. And, um, man, I'm loving it. Yeah. Loving it. Where'd you get your start at? Where'd you start going up at? Laugh Out Loud. Oh, yeah. That was your first mic? Yeah, I went to... Uh, I saw two mics before I went up there. I just wanted to see what was what was good. Mm. And there's... Like, if you're a comic out there, go to an open mic, see the bad comics, and that's going to give you that confidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, so that's cool. So what made you want to want to start comedy? What made you want to finally get up and start doing comedy? Uh, I wanted to do it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing like super, super. I didn't want to be like Dave Chappelle or anything like that, but uh, probably about 17 or 19, I was really getting into into stand-up comedy. Uh, Louis C.K. was putting out some great stuff, and I was like, hey, man, I want to I try that. Yeah. And then when you go... And you actually get some laughs. Oh my God, it's like a drug. Yeah. So now I'm just hooked. Yeah. I'm just an addict. It's pretty amazing, man. Like you, you don't think uh, it would have that type of effect on you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have a, when you have a good set, uh, it's 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 something that you keep chasing after a while, you know. No, I totally agree. Uh, so who are your some some of your influences? Like your your writing style, your performing style. Like, do you have somebody that you kind of like? 
not mimic, not try to rip off, but you know what I mean, like yeah, some of your influence, I guess. Um, so Dave Chappelle was my kind of like bread and butter. Yeah, uh, when the Chappelle show was coming out, I, know, I was like, shit. 11, 12, and I'm mm. like, dude, this is the funniest man alive. Yeah. And I still think so. I'm biased now because, you know, that's like Jordan. You watch him when you're a kid. Yeah. And then uh, uh, now I, I love Louis. I love Theo Vaughn. Mm-hmm. I think Theo Vaughn might be the best uh, up and comer because mm-hmm. I, I think that we have similar styles as far as like abstract brains mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, them painters' minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I would say those those three. Yeah. And then uh, I'll just add, like, uh, I kind of like Ricky Gervais a little bit. Mm. Uh, just like the quirky humor. So mm. that'd be my Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So what's your, like, uh, what's your writing process? Do you, do you just work out everything on stage or do you write everything down, like, everything down word for word? Like, what's your kind of process before you go up? Uh, I'm, I'm a word for word kind of guy. Yeah. And so I work a, a sales job. Mm. And so I'm in front of a computer all day. And there's nothing like getting paid to do something else mm-hmm. that will give you motivation to do something you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I'll be in front of my computer and then I'll be struck with like that stroke of genius where I'm like, all right, dude, this is going to kill on stage. Yeah. And so, and then I'll just break like for an hour, I'll just write something out and I'll edit it. And then I go back and I'm like, oh shit, I was supposed to make <laughs> So, uh, Yeah. If you're listening to this, folks at work, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but working in sales, it has to help you as well as like being like a communicator, uh, dealing with people, stuff like that. So you, you work direct sales, like person to person? or how? No, it's, it's in person and over the phone. Oh, okay. It's, it's yeah, like yeah. kind of, it's like higher end sales. Oh, okay. And so uh, like they, they spend some money, but I would say this, it's killed the I'm scared of an awkward moment mm. aspect. So now getting on stage or talking to somebody I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever. Yeah. It, it, I just nip the awkwardness in the bud and just you know talk to them like you've known them forever. Mm-hmm. I'd say that that helps. So well, it didn't take you too long to get like, well, not comfortable, but like you know, comfortable enough to go on stage, do these mics in front of like strangers and stuff. No. That kind of helped you? Yeah, no. I, I would say, if anything, that was the one aspect that kind of went smooth. You know, the talking, talking in a mic. Uh, it's all, it's all the actually being funny aspect. That's the, the challenge Yeah, for me, at least. Yeah. I have a random question. What's up? Why do you have a heart on your ass? Uh, it's a tattoo. Is it real? No, the tattoos, uh, on the, the, the fat man symbol. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, I do have a Texas tattoo, but not there. Oh, I just okay. think it's, it, it was funny. It was something catchy. The logo came uh, from a band that I was in, uh, and we were all a bunch of fat guys. Uh, and that's what we called our genre. Everybody's like, like, what kind of music do you play? And we would just say it's Babacoa Core, mm. uh, which is stupid mm-hmm. uh, to play on words and stuff. And then uh, like, I just put this design randomly together. Uh, and to make it my own, the own twist, I put like the heart tattoo, uh, which I don't have, and the Texas tattoo on them, uh, just to make it more... Uh, more us, I guess, and uh, and then the band. I, I started stopped working with the band. Still friends, uh, and then but I wanted to use this because we were make, supposed to make shirts out of this. Um, and then the podcast when I started it, it was called uh, "What Another Podcast." Uh, I got tired of that very quickly within four episodes. Yeah. And then there was another episode called "What a Podcast." Uh, so I was just like, oh, let me let me go back and use this, and rename the podcast Baba Cola Core Podcast. Use the Fat Man symbol, uh, and it's funny. I love it. You know, I, that was the one thing when I was. Uh, you you gave me a business card. You got a business card, dude. You're yeah. you're legit. No man, I got them off of Vista Print for like ten bucks. It's, oh, it's dude, fine. you don't yeah. have to tell anybody, man. You don't got to <laughs> tell anybody. Went to Vista Print. Shout out Vista Print. Yeah, shout out. Uh, not a sponsor. Uh, you can yeah. be. But uh, and that's what it catches everybody's attention. It, whenever I give like somebody a card, business card, uh, and oh, that's a pretty funny image. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's pretty funny. I thought it was like maybe like um, you know, like a hard like man. He loves ass, or he maybe loves ass. I'm, I mean, Barbara is in the head, but I was like, maybe is he like that's like his favorite part of the meat. Nah, it's just a funny tattoo. You know, like tough guys have silly tattoos and shit. Yeah, you, Do you got have any tattoos? 
I don't. No, I'm like a no commitment to it. No, dude, I'm like an like an eel. Like yeah. just nothing. Like straight from uh straight from nature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got a bunch of scars, so it's like kind of. I've always think that I'm gonna get enough of those. Yeah. Uh, that and I'm kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't know what to get. I'm not committal. They. Yeah, I've heard that before. I think Javier Bazudu, he said that he can't commit to anything, so that's why he doesn't have any tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, I regret a lot of my tattoos. I mean, I, I regret how they, how they look now. I don't regret getting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have a time and a place and a story for them each. Uh, but you say they expire? They just, they, they, they fade. They look, the color fades. It doesn't look, you know, uh, with the age and, and you know, Skin stretching, not sure. you know coming back, whatever. Uh, it just loses its its thing, you know. But uh, and they don't hurt as much. Yeah, they don't hurt that much. But I feel like if I'd go, I'm kind of a go hard or go home, and I get like stuff on my ribs, like you know, right and like the ouchies. Yeah. So that that's something I'm. That and the same as far as like, man, I'm gonna get older, and I'm like, what am I gonna get it like retouched up? Like, do I, will I care enough to get like a like a Yoshi touched up. Yeah, man. I haven't seen, I mean, you've seen old people with bad tattoos and you just think, oh man, like they were pretty cool back then, I guess. Mm-hmm. They look shitty now, but I mean, I'm pretty sure at one time they looked looked good. Oh, dude. I'm uh, from Corpus, man. Every old person has like the nasty tattoos, like they've been like cooked outside. Yeah, well, especially like in Corpus, I mean, people are out in the sun all the time. So mm-hmm. those, those, Tattoos are not supposed to be in direct sunlight. No, and no, they weren't made for those areas. So the skin gets all rubbery and shit, leather mm-hmm. skin and shit, and they just look nasty. Uh, one, I won't do my neck. I've seen people with neck tattoos and shit. Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big guy. I, I look tough and shit, but I'm ticklish as fuck. Yeah. So that's why, I, like, I don't think if I see people with neck tattoos, no offense to anybody with neck tattoos, I don't think tough. I just think like, oh, you're just not ticklish. Mm. You know. I guess that makes him tough, but I don't think like, oh, that's a tough guy. I mean, I wonder like the like the jugular thing, you know, like, man, dude, what are you doing right on your vein, man? Come yeah. on, man. it's gonna leak. Yeah. It's gonna leak in there. That's yeah, all about placement too. Like, I've seen people like that have like hand tattoos, mm-hmm. but they don't have like anything on the arms and stuff. To me, my thought process is like hand tattoos. That's when you run out of run out of space on your arms and shit. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna go directly to hand tattoos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. You kind of just you you didn't earn your stripes yet to me. Sure. I mean, that may sound stupid. Uh, like I knew I had. Uh, he's an old friend, I guess. Uh, but he was like in this hardcore metal band, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff, and they toured around. So, and their thing was to dress up, you know, in like suits or whatever, and ties and shit, and have like bit their their business jacket or business uh, shirt rolled up, you know, to mm-hmm. the elbow. And everything under the elbow was all covered in tats, you know, mm. like no spaces, all fucking covered up. So the image is, is that he's he's all covered up, you know, like Maroon Five motherfucker dude. Yeah. Uh, but then like, I, I, off the of stage and stuff, all he has is tattoos under his elbows. He had, doesn't have any other tattoos. It's all for show, mm-hmm. you know. Anything that's like that, I mean, yeah, of course, tattoos are all for show, but it's supposed to be a personal touch. Yeah. To me, he just got those tattoos so it looks tough on the fucking record or the posters sure. and shit like that. Sure. Uh, I mean, they're his tattoos. He could do whatever and stuff, but I, I judge you. Yeah. I, I judge people that do stuff like that. Oh, definitely. It's like, like, I'm young, but I'm, the one thing I never get is the, the face tattoos with the SoundCloud rappers now. Like, they, they cook me. I'm like, oh, man, dude. Yeah. In between, I mean, if that's how you make it nowadays, if you just take a bunch of Xanax and tattoo your face and rap about bears. That's, Dude, man, that's I'd do a, that. That's such a fucking horrible commitment, though. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like any, like all tattoos I have, I could cover them up real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on your face, I mean, what do you, what do you do? Those kids are like 18, too, so you yeah. get like a, they kind of make, make me a little sad because I'm like, oh, dude, at 18, if I did half the things I wanted to, yeah. not nah, be like, I, I'm 24 now, I'd already be like, man... Yeah, it's pretty. You're, you're you're pretty much fucking yourself when you do shit like that. Yeah. Like you see these rich kids with all like these like uh, face tattoos, or whatever. You're like, oh man, because they, they didn't have a choice. You know, they they put themselves in a corner and like mm-hmm. they, this music had to make it, or because you know they're not gonna get a job with those those kind mm-hmm. of tattoos. So you think like, oh, tattoos on the face that is like status. 
that means that they're making money. And then you see people at HEB with face tattoos swiping EBT card. I'm like, dog, you did it all wrong. <laughs> like, yeah. What's, the, what's your SoundCloud sound like, man? <laughs> that Corpus soundtrack, dude. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Yeah, face tattoos, I mean, I don't know. But I know a lot of tattoo artists that have, like, face tattoos, head tattoos. They, they're committed. But that's their lane. I mean, they're always going to be tattoo artists, mm-hmm. you know. It's not like they're going to need to get, like, an office job or sure. something like that. I don't know. Uh, how do we get on that tattoo tangent? Oh, you're asking about the heart. No, I don't have any tattoos on my butt. All right. That's what I wanted uh, to know. But, yeah. Are Um, you a San Antonio guy? Like, born and raised. Yeah? Yeah. I did try to leave for a bit. I lived in Seattle for uh, about eight years. Is that what's more or less? Jiving the hat? Like, kind of pick up a Seahawk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge Seahawk fan. I like the Mariners. Just because it was my my hometown. Um, Not my hometown, but it was the only town that I lived in that had a pro football team, pro uh, baseball team. Um, I was I was there when they when Seattle still had the Supersonics, mm-hmm. but uh, I was still a Spurs fan. Like I would only go to the games when the Spurs were in town. So now it hurts like extra bad when you see Ray Allen. You're like, oh, dude. Yeah. Or, the, the Sonics and the buzzer beater. The yeah, ring. yeah. Uh, and every time I see like Kevin Durant, I was like, I seen you play when you were nothing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, and then it was just it was just cool, man. Like I lived uh, pretty like. 10, 15 minutes away from, you know, uh, where the Seahawks play and then Mariners play right next door and stuff. So I would just go walk around and be a part of that, see that. Uh, so that was cool. Um, but, yeah, I had to come back. I had to come back. It's just too expensive. Yeah, I know. So expensive. I've, I've been up there. I've been to, like, the Vancouver area. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, I mean, if you're it's, – it's nice because you can be outside, you know, and, like, in yeah. the summer and it's, and it's awesome. You can walk around. Uh, here, it's when you get into those hundred and tens, brutal. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. yeah, there it's like, oh, dude, it snows, but I mean, you can be outside like seventy, yeah, eighty percent of the day if it's not raining. Yeah, I still have a family up there. They're having a pretty rough uh, winter. Like they had a snowstorm uh, this past weekend, so they had to cancel school on Monday and stuff. But going back to normal. There was one time where I had to drive because uh, I was based in, in Seattle. Uh, you know, I was in bands and doing all that stuff, but uh, I was staying with my sister, who at that time lived in Bremerton. Well, to drive across, you could either take a boat across, which is an hour, or you could drive, which is an hour and 15 minutes. So I had to take that drive from uh, Seattle to uh, going towards Tacoma and then veer off to go towards uh, Bremerton. And there's this long stretch of road where it's just like huge trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. So driving through that during a snowstorm was fucking scary, man. It looked like that when uh, in Star Wars where they go like fucking like the light super speed, speed light man. speed. Like that's what it just looked like. Like I can see nothing but like fucking strands. Dang. Uh, it was it was pretty fucking scary. I, I never want to do that again. Oh hell no! You're sitting there like Chewbacca going, <laughs> and you can't see nothing. You don't, cold. You don't know what's in front of you. You don't know if anybody's pulling from behind you. You don't even know if you're still moving. I couldn't even tell if I was still moving. It was so dark out. Mm. All I see is like this fucking light speed. Uh, yeah. That's when you got that clenched asshole syndrome. Like, oh the yeah. Whole way. Yeah. Like just talking about it <laughs> right now, yeah. I got all fucking scared. Uh, <laughs> it was fucking horrible. I can imagine. Because uh, I'm from Texas, I don't know how to deal with snow. No. And I definitely don't know how to drive in it. So I'm like, I was kept telling myself, like, okay, if I run into something, like, do I not step on the brake? Do I step on the brake? Which one is it? You know, like so you don't like spin out and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh. But survive. But that hour and ten minute drive turned into like two hours, because I kept like slowing down, stopping, because I couldn't tell if if it felt like my wheels were just moving, because I couldn't see anything past. You can't see the street signs, nothing. There's no lights out there. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty horrible and shit. But uh, yeah, yeah I don't have any cool snow stories. No snow. So born and raised in San Antonio. I'm a Corpus guy. Corpus, that's right. I'm a Corpus guy. Uh, my family's like generations of South Texas. Like, oh, yeah. I'm almost positive that they fought in like the Alamo mm. on the Mexican <laughs> side, and then they just bandwagoned, and they're like, oh, man, dude, they got it good here. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of how the generations of like my, my mom's last name is Rodriguez, and then mm. my, dad's, uh, my dad's actually from Pittsburgh, so mm. he came down and. They've been in Corpus for, I don't know, the last 
30, 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. So do you hit a lot of spots up in Corpus? Uh, I've only done Mesquite Street uh, once. Yeah. I actually, whenever I'm down there, it's not really, I don't know, I'm not in the stand-up vibe because I'm, you know, hanging out with my fer- my parents uh-huh. and, uh, and you know, seeing some buddies. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's weird. You go back and, uh, I don't know, it's like I have my life up here uh-huh. and I don't take it down there. It's like down there I'm just sun. Yeah. You know? It's just my thing. Do you find you you think you would find it hard to do stand up in front of your your family, people that you know? In front of my family, like in front of my mom, my dad, yeah, they'd probably be wigging out a bit. Uh, they'd be like, "Man, this is this is wild." Like, I don't want my son talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, my friends would love it. My my friends pop up time to time and check me out, and all of them are you know they're really happy. They jive with me. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good. And then I feel like Corpus is easier than San Antonio. As far as? As far as, like, making people laugh. It feels looser to me. Like, you can be a little more uh, more comfortable. Yeah. That, at least that's me. That's, you know, I go there and I immediately, everything slows down. I'm like, okay, I'm home. I got a lot, hmm. of, I got a lot of Corpus stories. You can get away with a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that is. I, I never noticed that. I think it starts early. Um, I, I'll give you an example. Uh in high school, I was supposed to, this is a real story, in high school, I was supposed to do a presentation on the Holocaust, and they're like, hey, this is a presentation on the Holocaust, and me and my buddy were like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, mm-hmm. and we did it on platypi migration patterns, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, you know, like a, a platypus is like uh, the transgendered of the animal species, <laughs> it's like half bird, half uh-huh. mammal, almost has a full puss, uh-huh. and uh, we did that, and the teacher gave us an A-plus on the assignment. Okay. In between, like, uh, Auschwitz and the final solution. And my theory is that the teacher was looking at that, and she was like, this is so fucked up. And so is the Holocaust. And so is public school. <laughs> and so is Corpus. <laughs> and, like, so that's kind of the, the vibe that people have uh, down there is – You've been able to get away with so much, yeah. And so, I, you know, if I'm if I make a joke up here, I'm actually conscious of like, okay, what do I say? Mm-hmm. Uh, How is the audience going to react? In Corpus, I just say it. Mm-hmm. So, well, I don't think you have to do anything like too dirty or too edgy. I don't. Right? I don't. But that's a fear of yours, like any type of like, a, yeah, like kickback or whatever. For a- yeah, like I'm working on I'm working on material that. I think is okay, and I don't know. Like, um, have you heard me do the uh, school shooters don't cry during the Lion King bit? Yeah. So yeah. that's one that I'm like, you know, I get a little clenched asshole syndrome telling that one because yeah. I want people to like me, and uh-huh. I have, like, a good, like, stage persona. But at the same time, you know, I don't want someone in the crowd being like, you know, San Antonio's had school shootings for real, so. Yeah. You know, I, I just get a little little clenched asshole syndrome sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, not always. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about those things. I mean, I, the, the, the Lion King one stands out more. I didn't, put the, I didn't connect it to, because uh, usually like at the mics, I'm going through my notes and stuff, and I'll, I'll, if you catch my attention and stuff. So I remember catching the Lion King one. But, so I don't know if you want to explain it here. How are you linking them? Oh, because if they don't cry to Lion King, they're exactly. probably a school shooter. Exactly. So <laughs> it's like I cried during the Lion King and I shot zero schools. Yeah. I shot no one and I ate zero Tide Pods. Oh, okay. I'm like pure. That's like the point I'm trying to make. I'm pure. Like Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, and then say, hey, if you're, if you don't cry during the Lion King, there's something wrong with you. And I do believe this, that if there is yeah. something wrong with you if you don't cry during the Lion King, um, because if you can watch a kitten's daddy die, yeah. like you're an unfeeling, uh, emotionally dead piece of shit. Yeah. Or I'm a pussy that cries during the Lion King. <laughs> it's one of the two. I don't think there's, eh, you know, there's no middle ground there. No, I think there's plenty of middle ground. I don't think I cry. You're like, the, yeah, the you know, like King. 99% of the people. <laughs> uh, I don't think I did. And I just watched it. Is because uh, did your dad die young and you're like I've seen this one before? <laughs> nah, <laughs> nah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just the animation gets to me. But what's weird 
It's weird though because like dogs, if you give the dog a voice, mm-hmm. uh, and then something happens to the dog, oh, it's way sadder. Fuck, I can't take that. I could take watching people die. I didn't watch John Wick because people told me about that scene about the dog in the attack. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert! If nobody's seen it before, I I just watched it a couple months ago. It was a fucking great movie. I yeah. wish I would have watched it before. That one scene was pretty bad. Uh, but I knew it was coming. I was glad I got it over with and mm-hmm. shit. Uh, didn't cry. But, and I didn't cry with The Lion King either, I don't think. But How uh, many schools? N- have you? Okay, none no yet. shooting. None. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, young. got you. Still yeah. young. You got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Uh, but a dog's purpose. Have you seen, Not a dog's purpose. Yeah, a dog's purpose. Mm-mm. Have you seen that one? Mm-mm. Fucking cry nonstop, dude. Any anytime you put like a dog, uh, like you put an emotion and a voice behind a dog, fucking gets me. I don't know. I I get it though because a dog, a dog's a good person, and yet they're so like naive and lovable, and yeah. that's what I feel like is the same with like Forrest Gump. You know, where it's like, <laughs> yeah. why does that? Why do we connect so much with that? Oh, because he's. He's not like big time retarded, yeah. but he's enough that like you connect and you're like, ah, yeah. And that's the same way I feel about a dog, where I'm like, ah, yeah. But not like, you know, if if Forrest Gump died, I would have been just as sad. Yeah, did he dog. die? No, oh, he didn't die, right? Now Jenny got AIDS. Jenny got AIDS. And then, Forrest didn't get AIDS. No, dude, that's that retard strength. <laughs> Fought off the AIDS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. You should add that to your to your joke. That would be a good one, right? Yeah. You fought her off something. <laughs> I don't know. You got to work on that. Uh, so have you had any any bad sets? Like, what's the worst set that you've had so far in the 11 months that you've been at it? The worst set? Uh, you can get them at Laugh Out Loud when no one's there. Um, oh, that's painful. And so... Been through that? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you're doing that and you, you write jokes that people are going to be there. Yeah. And if it's just you and the, the staff... Man, that can be that can be humbling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had a pretty full house at Jokesters one time, mm-hmm. and I, I'm a pretty animated personality on stage, mm-hmm. so I can usually get some people to laugh. Mm-hmm. But this time it was just brutal, and I went up there and I, you know, I did all my bits. I did all the ones that like I I can usually squeeze a laugh out. Yeah, and uh, man, dude, just dead silence. And I walk off and, you know, they're like, ooh. I also opened for a guy that, or uh, I followed a guy that cried uh, on stage, just openly wept. This was this past Tuesday? No. Oh, it was, okay. Um, this was probably about six months ago. Wow. It he was, went on stage and he, like. It was 9-11. It was on 9-11 at Laugh Out Loud and. The guy went up there and he was like, when I was a kid, the saddest thing I ever saw was people jumping from those things. And it wasn't funny. Obviously, it wasn't funny. And he just started weeping on stage and he finished the bit. He, like, he waited till Lawrence gave him the light and everything and he walked off. And he was, they're like, not a clap in the room. Like It was just like kind of very somber. And Lawrence was like, Justin Byers! Oh, and he walked up there. And I was like, I gotta say something because that's weird. I'm like... So uh, I'm going to do a bunch of 9-11 jokes. And I didn't have any, but, you know, some of the diffused attention. Fuck. Yeah, that's rough, man. And then uh, I think the audience was begging to laugh there. So it was like, but I would say that was the most, like, I didn't want to do comedy right after that. Like, yeah. Down before. Yeah. So. I don't think I've followed anybody who cried or had, like, a sad set. Uh, it's tough to follow people that are fucking killing and then you come up, and you don't. You're like, where's that energy? Did y'all, are y'all tired, or is it just me? Uh, so that's rough, man. I've, I've been that one. Sometimes you'll follow like, uh, like some of the more well-known comics here. and um, Sometimes it works where they're, they're lubed up and ready to go and yeah. loose and laughing and kind of easy. And then other times it's like you just hit the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I've had more good sets lately than bad sets. Yeah. Um, I had about 12, 13 people come out to watch me, which was crazy. I didn't expect them. Mm -hmm. I invited two people, Mm -hmm. and they brought their friends. And 
oh my god, man, when a crowd actually is happy to see you. Yeah. Oh, dude, you're you're at home, like yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know, man. I'm a little bit different. I haven't really invited people to come and see me. Actually, this past Thursday, uh, I had friends show up, uh, which was pretty nerve-wracking because I haven't really performed in front of people that, that I know. Uh, when I went to Seattle, I did I did an open mic there, and uh, my sister and my, my wife were there. Um, and that was pretty weird. Uh, but then there was one time when I first started hitting up open mics where my cousin, my little cousin, showed up accidentally like it was just a coincidence that she showed up mm. and it, it fucking shook me i was like i, I need to either write better stuff that i could perform in front of oh, <laughs> family <laughs> oh yeah yeah. Uh. yeah because like early off i mean when early on you know the easiest things are like fucking shit jokes dick jokes you know anything yeah like, you know the low-hanging lo- yeah. low fruit yeah uh and then uh i just was trying to get my feet wet into it like you know, going for like the easy laughs and stuff. How long you been doing it? Uh, I started in March, so it's gonna be a year in March. Okay. But then again, I hey, really, we're at the same time. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't constant with it. You know, like mm. uh, I would take you know a few weeks, a month off. You know, stuff like that. Uh, so I'm still. I'm just getting back into it. Uh, November was probably my busiest month. Like I was going like almost every day to a mic and stuff. Yeah. So I like that. I like the the, the getting into the momentum of it. Um, and then I took a break during the holidays. Do you feel rusty? Yeah. Do you? Yeah, it was real hard getting back into it. Yeah. Uh, just because, like, you, 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 you lose the cadence, you know? There's a certain way to say things. There's a certain ways uh, that the audience responds to certain things and stuff. And you forget that, you know? Uh, if you don't, like, practice it, like, mm-hmm. constantly, if you don't stay on top of it, uh, you'll kind of lose that. Uh, or at least I did. I mean, I, I guess there's some people that are just naturally funny. They could just go up there and, and, and kill it. Uh, but for me, it's something that, it's, it's something that you got to work on, you got to work out and stuff. Uh, so I'm going to try to get, get back into it and stuff, but uh, it's just hard, like, uh, schedule-wise. It's exhausting. It is ex- exhausting. It is exhausting, too. Yeah. Uh, I try and do three or four a week. and uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm starting to, you know, get a little more comfortable going up there. I'm a pro. I'm at the point now where I don't get nervous before I go on stage. I'm like, okay, what? However it goes, it goes. I got my jokes, and they'll laugh or they don't. Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying I won't get nervous when I'm on stage and a joke's like, you know, torpedoing. Yeah. So it's like, I get nervous when there's nobody there. Me those too. Are, those are the rough ones. I can't. I can't do it uh, to an empty room or just a room full of comics because comics don't laugh at other comics. You no, know? I don't even think uh, they're paying attention. Yeah, for the most part, they're really not. Uh, I mean, there's some are that are, but you're not going to get like a, a good laugh out of them like you would mm-hmm. like a crowd who hasn't seen you do this, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, like, there's been a couple of times, like tonight they have that mic at Oak Hills. Yeah. Uh, and it was nothing but comics. And then when I get called up, everybody's pretty much outside. And I just fucking, I crumbled, lost all momentum, lost all that stuff. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, there's no response. You need type, kind of, like, a response. Like, are you going to laugh? Or do you think that's funny and stuff? And then I just fucking, like, tailspinned out. I started, like, comparing babies to, like, cell phones and how I leave my cell phone in the car all the time. So I get it. <laughs> uh, nothing. Nothing. Oh, man. Uh, so I don't do that one no more. <laughs> I think that's a good bit. I, so. No, I don't know. A lot of people... I don't know. It was very premature. Sure. Uh, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty good. You're, you're sticking to it. You're staying busy. Any shows coming up? Anything that you have planned? Um, no, not that I have planned. Um, I'm just starting to get kind of the, the balls to ask some people around and say, hey, uh, if you got an open spot, uh, let me know. Yeah. Because I would say kind of purposely I've – held myself back a little so I can, you know, write and reform because whenever yeah. I want to put myself out there, I mean, I want to, I want to have some material to, yeah. you know, go forward. Like right now, I think I have a solid maybe 15 minutes, mm-hmm. maybe like a real 15 minutes mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever, 30 minutes of bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So now I feel a little more comfortable to, you know, start saying, Hey, put me on some shows. Like this is what I can do. And, um, but I mean, some, something that this next year is going to be a goal of mine is to try and get a show a month. Mm-hmm. That, that'd that be, in my eyes, like, really awesome. 
Cool, man. Uh, so yeah, that was cool, man. Anything you want to add to that? The introduction of you before we go on, move on to some news bullshit. No, no, no. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about the news, dude. Cool, man. We'll take a quick break. Cool. And we're back. All right. Uh, so what we're gonna do now? We're gonna talk about some uh, news uh, that I found on the uh, World Wide Web. Uh, some stupid shit. Just nothing too serious. Uh, but some stories that I want to talk about because, uh, yeah. Uh, so this first one, uh, because Super Bowl was this past Sunday, uh, fuck Tom Brady, uh, we have from Yahoo Sports, uh, a 10-year-old kid won a science fair by proving Tom Brady is a cheater. You you a Patriots fan? No. No, Tom but Brady But I fan? do love that, like, a 10-year-old scientifically proved that Tom Brady's a cheater. Yeah. And he he won it? Yeah, he's moving on. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if this says regional or whatever, but he won his school one, and you know how you go up and stuff yeah. uh, and move on. Uh, so some kids, they make uh, baking soda or vinegar volcanoes, which that's, of course, what I did because it's the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and others find a way to turn their passion into a science fair project. So this kid, Ace Davis, uh, a 10-year-old from Lexington, Kentucky, uh, who created a science fair project about Tom Brady, uh, Ace sought to prove that Brady was a cheater through science. Uh, well, good for Brady, because like, uh, I mean, good for uh, Ace Davis, because uh, fuck Tom Brady. Uh, so he wanted to show how the deflated footballs gave Brady a competitive advantage. Uh, so on his poster, he included results of the experiment that he did with his mom and his sister. Uh, each of them threw uh, footballs with uh, varying inflation. Uh, and, of course, it came out that the, the balls that are uh, less inflated uh, traveled more, uh, which, you know, everybody knew. Tom Brady's a cheater. Uh, and he did win that one, that, that local one at school, mm-hmm. and he was moving on and stuff. Uh, but when interviewed, he was interviewed by uh, NFL Draft Diamonds. Uh, they interviewed the 10-year-old kid. Uh, so they asked him a couple questions. They said, how did you come up with uh, the idea for your science fair project? And the kid answered, because I hate Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> what a gangster. Yeah, right? Uh, he's been accused of cheating before, and I want him to be caught. You know? That's pretty gangster shit. Yeah, is. that's justice right there. Yeah. So he, like, pulled out his science fair project, did yeah. that. He made it all based on him, and he fucking made, made Tom Brady look like a punk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they asked him, so if you could share a message with Tom Brady, what would you say to him? This kid, uh, give me some of your money, because you don't deserve it. I love it, dude. Ten year old, ten year old kid, fucking talking shit to Tom you Brady. Know, you know his dad's like, you know, man, Tom Brady's bullshit. Yeah. Probably some drunk dad that like just hates Tom Brady, robbed him of like two Super Bowls or something. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know any backstory on that, but I thought it was hilarious because, uh, like I said before, fuck Tom Brady. I mean, Patriots are a good team. Uh, it was a horrible Super Bowl shit. It was pretty boring. Yeah. I didn't get to watch it. Did you pay attention? Did you give a fuck about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I had it kind of on the background. But yeah. I, I kind of checked out until the last drive that the, they started to make moves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, now, the Patriots, I, I hate when people say the Spurs and the Patriots are similar. It's like, don't do that. No, man, not don't, at all. Don't do that. Not at all. It's like the opposite. It's Tim Duncan's class, Tom Brady's ass. Yeah. Facts. Uh, I mean, they're they're a good team. I mean, six championships. You mm-hmm. know, I'm not taking that away from them. But uh, fuck Tom Brady. He's I, a piece of shit. I hear that. I love that he won so much because there's probably like some girl that had like legit science on like measles and like why you, like you should get vaccinated. Yeah. And then the the judge is like, you know, a uh, maybe he probably a Rams fan. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a Rams fan. He was like, <laughs> you got to spread the word. Uh, so good for that kid. I hope he goes on to do great things. Me too. And uh, Tom Brady uh, could fuck off. Uh, so this next story is from the Black Detour team. I'm not even sure if that's a real uh, website or whatever. Uh, so this is fucking ridiculous. Uh, 19-year-old Emmanuel Franklin faked his own kidnapping in an attempt to extort blank amount of money in ransom from his own mother. How much money do you think he was trying to extort from his own mother? Oh, dude, man, you got to go big if you're going to... I mean, if you're going to extort, go honestly, big. go big. At the minimum, a 1000 $130. Man, dude, this guy just wanted to buy like a Nintendo DS or something. Doesn't say what he needed, uh, but $130. That's a very specific amount. So, yeah, not even $200. 
So a South Carolina teenager faked his own kidnapping in an attempt to extort $130 in ransom money from his own mother. Uh, 19-year-old is now being charged with blackmail and extortion. Uh, Franklin was arrested two days after attempting to execute his plan. Execute his plan. Like, I know. Just borrow, has to borrow $130. Fucking Justice League or uh, something. Yeah. Legion of Doom. So Franklin caused his mother to believe he would be killed by kidnappers uh, if she could uh, not pay the ransom according to the arrest warrant. Oh, it was straight up, we're going to kill him if we don't get $130? Yeah. Think about that. What do you think that sounded like? Give us $200 or we're going to kill him? Yeah. It's like, I don't have 200 150 uh, 130 <laughs> <laughs> uh, So Franklin's mother, who has remained uh, unidentified, I mean, you give out the kid's name, of course they get to fucking realize who the mother is, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is from ABC 13. Um, so she could remain uh, unidentified. Told police that someone called her through a, pi- a private cell phone number, which is step one. You don't want to use a number that they know. Mm. Uh, and during the call, she claimed that she could hear Franklin and another voice telling her to leave $130 in a mailbox and threaten that he would kill her son if she did not comply. Again, to threaten to kill somebody, if you're going that far... You should at least ask for $130. I guess because they $130 is not like a big deal. Like, so she won't go directly to the cops. She'll just go to the ATM, $130, and yeah. she saves her son, uh, which is worth her. His life is worth $130. Oh, dude. If you're extorting your mom, it's probably about worth $130. Yeah, it's fucking horrible shit. Isn't it? Uh, so the mother thought the situation was a bit strange when she noticed that the mailbox addressed was the same as the residential address of Franklin's father. Wow. So this guy wanted to get caught. He's a, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. He's a fucking idiot for trying to, to uh, fake his own kidnapping, only asking for $130 and using his father's uh, mailbox. Man, I can only imagine the conversation, what she must think. Like, you know, give us $130 at one, two, three, and he was like, isn't that my baby daddy's address? Yeah, I know that Boop. house. They just hang up the, the phone immediately. Yeah, well, I mean, he didn't invest too much into it. He could have got a P.O. box, which would have been smart. Oh, uh, that probably cost about $130. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It takes away from the, the whole profit margins, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Franklin later told, later told police that he faked the kidnapping to get $130 from his mother. If convicted of blackmail, Franklin could face up to 10 years in prison and or financial, a financial penalty of up to $5,000. That's what you get for for a ransom, $5,000. Yeah. It's, it, it seems fair. See, the it's justice system knows how to, how to do ransoms. Yeah, they know man. how to ask for money. You know, hey, we'll bail them out for $5,000. Yeah. I'm like, man, these guys are good. Uh, so good luck with that. No uh, kidding. Fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, and this is from Daily Mail. Uh, in, in connection with this whole, like, kids being assholes to their parents, uh, or we'll see what you think about this. So uh, a man wants to sue his parents for giving birth to him without his consent uh, as part of an anti-natalist movement that says having children is morally wrong. Uh, I don't know if it's morally wrong, but I get that shit. Uh, so the story continues. Uh, a man is planning to sue his parents in India uh, for giving birth to him without his consent. Uh, Rafael Samuel said he had a great relationship with his parents, but has compared having children to kidnapping and slavery. It's a bit dramatic, I guess. Don't you think? Uh, so the 27-year-old, he, he's, he's an adult. He, he is a full adult now. 27-year-old from Mumbai is an anti-natalist, uh, which I don't know what that means. Uh, who believes it is wrong to put an unwilling child through the rigmarole of life for pleasure of its parents. But that's everyone. I mean, you either blow the load in someone or you get swallowed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now he wants to complain. 27 years old, he wants to complain that uh, you know he wasn't asked to be here. He didn't give his consent uh, to be here. And now he's trying to sue his parents. Uh, not sure how this is going to turn out. Uh, but uh, so yeah, 
what is it? The anti-nationalist movement is gaining traction in India uh, as younger people resist social pressure to have children. Uh, speaking for the prince, Samuel said, I love my parents and we have a great relationship, uh, had, I guess, uh, but they had me for their own joy and their pleasures. Uh, my life has been amazing, but I don't see why I should put another life through the rigmarole of school and finding a career, especially when they didn't ask to exist. <laughs> Which is fucking stupid. And I saw it again on- online. Uh, everybody's uh, spreading that whole thing because uh, Doug Stanhope had did a bit about this on his uh, 2016 album, that No Place Like Home. Um, uh, I think the-, the track is called 18 Years a Slave. Uh, and I'm not going <laughs> to butcher it on here, like, but you-, you check it out. You can find it on like, Spotify or YouTube and stuff. Uh, the Doug Stanhope uh, 2016 album, No Place Like Home. Uh, talks specifically about this, where Doug, Stan- Doug Stanhope said he would have, if his parents were alive today, he would sue him because uh, before he was born, he had nothing but good days. Hmm. <laughs> but I just thought that was fucking ridiculous. That is about as ridiculous uh, as it gets. Pretty one, shitty. I mean, one, I get it. I get it. You're like, oh, man, I don't want to be here. Yeah. But the fact that you're going to like sue your parents, that's more like... That's a better extortion case than yeah. the $130 kid. Because yeah. you're been like, man, I'll sue my, my parents. Maybe I can get out of these student loans and, you know, kind of reset the, the bank. Because yeah. that sounds like desperation to me. Yeah. That and the dude's in India. So, uh, Do they have a population problem in India? Big time, dude. Right? They're like, I mean, you've seen Slumdog Millionaire? Nah. No? Oh. Nah. Well, I've seen pieces of it. I fall, I fall asleep a lot during movies. So. Got you. Man, yeah, no, India's... India's packed, but regardless, I mean, if you're born and you're being and you're suing someone for being born, there's about to be a lot of lawsuits out there. Yeah. Because everyone has someone they can sue now. Yeah. That's like the one thing we all have in common is that our parents can be sued by yeah. us. See, that's not, that's not a Hispanic thing, man. Like, if we had problems with like our career path is not going the way we want to, or we don't mm-hmm. want to be in school anymore, we just move back home. Yeah. We move back home, and then we wait for our parents to die, and then we take over whatever they have. I agree. Our grandparents. Some of us go to our grandparents. Yeah, I, I, but, uh, I agree. We wouldn't sue. What no. We get out of that. Oh, dude, you sue, and then you can't go back home? I know. Who's like, going to feed you after that? Nah. Uh, this one is fucking crazy. Uh, I got this one from uh, whno.com. Uh, man allegedly held drug-fueled death party for wife before she died. Sounds very romantic. They should make a movie out of this. Uh, so this 58-year-old Minnesota man uh, is accused of throwing a meth-fueled death party, uh, in quotes, for his sick wife, who authorities found dead last week. Uh, well, Isn't that just killing her? Well, no. I mean, uh, I think she was like on death's door already. Uh, this says last week. I don't have a date on this, though, so this could be a couple weeks old. Uh, so court records show uh, Dwayne Arden Johnson of Cyrilus, uh faces charges of criminal neglect and receiving stolen property. Uh, he was booked at Brown County Jail and is being held on a $250,000 bond. Uh, officers responding to a 911 call. I was going to say 911 call. Oh, yeah, I did say that right. Yeah. On a 911 call uh, made by Johnson. Oh, so he called it himself. Uh, Found the woman, uh, or found the body of 69-year-old Deborah Lynn Johnson in their home. Uh, the phrase "death part God hell" uh, had been spray painted on in red on the front door of the home, and authorities say Johnson ran out of the house naked to yell his wife was dead before running back inside. Uh, Johnson allegedly removed the wife from the New Elm Medical Center and brought her home, uh, where they took methamphetamines and spent her last days rocking out, quotes, uh, to their favorite song, Metal Health by Quiet Riot. <laughs> <laughs> man, dude, they're pretty barbacoa core. Uh, pretty hardcore, man. Uh, I like this. Uh, <laughs> so he told investigators she had begged him not to let her die in a nursing home. Uh, so, uh, Deborah Johnson, who reportedly suffered from mental illness, uh, diabetes, and high blood pressure, had stopped taking her antipsychotic medication, uh, she had also suffered two heart attacks in the past. Uh, court documents uh, allege Johnson had sex with his wife roughly two hours before her death. 
then washed her body and wrapped it in linen like the Bible told him to do. Oh, man, he's a good Christian. Yeah, man. Uh, meth and, and the Bible goes hand in hand a lot of times, man. Oh, dude. That's but I respect like, this. I mean, because the wife didn't want to die in a nursing home, you know. He was just granting the wife's final wishes. Yeah. Romantic. She wanted to go out that drug section rock and roll life. Mental health, quiet riot. Not a big Quiet Riot fan, but I guess if two each their own. Uh, but I, I like how they, they add into this story. Had sex with his wife roughly two hours before her roughly. death. Roughly? Uh, was it saying like he roughly had sex? Like the sex was <laughs> rough? Or is it like more or less two hours after? Yeah, around about two hours. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing that he waited. I mean, he didn't wait till after she died. I yeah. Mean, I, do you think that that sped along the death? It could. I mean, I don't you know mean you he, get that heart rate going. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, you know. Hey, man, when you're when you're when cooked you're on, on meth, yeah, listen to Quiet Riot and shit. <laughs> oh, you dude. don't know how you're fucking gonna be. That's true. That's yeah, true. Man. That's that's that riot punch. <laughs> meth fueled death party. That should be on Netflix. That should. I feel like that'd be a good like little little story. More <laughs> of a. I feel like that would be like a short story. Yeah. Like, I think Disney could do, like, a cool, like, you know, early animation thing, you know, like, before Ice Age. Yeah. Like, what if that's how Up started? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they just sped all through that stuff. And that's how she died. And, yeah. You, and then he's hear. like, shit, dude, I got to get out of here. Better put, fill up these balloons. Yeah. I got to fly out of here, man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, that was cool. Uh, anything else you, you want to talk about? Um, or we just move out to shout outs. I like to do shout outs. Anybody that you want to give thanks to, shout out, any product placement, anything you got going on? Yeah, no. Um, uh, for shout outs, man, I, I just got to hook it up to my girlfriend. Uh, she's dealing with all the, all the shit that I, that I go through. So uh, shout out there. Uh, my job, thanks for, for giving me money. Uh, and sorry, <laughs> that I, sorry that I write about an hour a day. That's just what's gonna happen. That's <laughs> hey man, that's that's like that's my quiet riot. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm quietly writing it, and um, yeah, man, that'll do it. Uh, cool man. And oh, again, thanks for for having me on the podcast. Yeah, dude. thanks for coming on, man. We should do it again uh, later on whenever you have like a show coming up. You want to promote it? Yeah. Uh, and then replugs. How do people find you again? Social media, all that good stuff. It's easy. It's just my name, Justin Byers. Last name spelled B I R E S. And you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter, but uh, if I am, uh, it'll just be the same name. Cool, man. Uh, thanks again. Uh, everybody, you can follow the, uh, the podcast Instagram at Core Podcast. Uh, on that, that's where I, I post anything about the, the podcast or episodes. Uh, I also repost anything of uh, any past guests or just friends of the podcast I have going on uh, to help promote them as well. Uh, I don't have a Facebook page. I just got back on Facebook. It's it's kind of kind of shitty, uh, but yeah. Uh, and you could also go back to all the back catalog of all the other interviews that I have, uh, whether you're listening to this on SoundCloud or Instagram, uh, Castbox or Google Play. Uh, just hit the subscribe button, like, share, or listen to the past catalog to uh, support the podcast. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, Justin, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, Best of luck with everything. everything. And uh, all right, see you all next week.